we have things to talk about as a fandom. It's, it came, it passed, the NHL trade deadline is no more for the 2023 season. And some of you just don't know how to act, okay? So, and there, there's two groups here. Don't think, this isn't me being like, oh, how dare you say the team was bad. There's two groups, and I tweeted about this because it, it, it's bothered me a little bit, okay? It's bothered me. Not you specifically, but also maybe you, I don't know. There were two groups of people that bothered me, and they're on opposite parts of the spectrum of Hurricanes fans. There are some people that are just hypercritical. No matter what happens, everything is a complete disaster. We will never recover from this. Go ahead and start the Dark Ages all over again. And then we have the people who have blinders on, and nope, I see nothing wrong with this team at all. We are great. That is also bad. You guys are both wrong, first of all. This is not a disaster. And if anything, all you can say about this team is that the Carolina Hurricanes are a very good hockey team who have a tough hill to climb to win a Stanley Cup, which is true for every team. That's what made the Lightning winning back-to-back -back cups, or Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay, wow, or the Penguins winning back-to-back -back cups so impressive. It is hard to do it, especially in the cap era. But the idea that the team was awful because they didn't make the moves you wanted to make during the trade deadline, absurd. The idea that this team has nothing to worry about going into the postseason, absurd. Listen, goaltending, questionable at the moment. The power play has looked good in the past two games. I, I'm recording before Tuesday night's games, so I have no idea. But they have looked the good in the past two games since we added Gosh Despair. Cool. But that's still something like we need to figure out, right? Like, it was awful the majority of the season. I don't think just a quick snap's going to fix it. We have to be able to acknowledge this. But I'll hop off this soapbox. You should be in the middle. But if you're not, it's fine. That's your right as a fan. But don't attack the other side. Because at the end of the day, everyone belongs to the same fandom, and you just look like a tool. Grow up, learn how to disagree, and let's get into the show. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. I'm recording this days after the trade deadline, so I know I can't focus on that, but I want to set expectations going into the playoffs because at this point, there was no chance in anything at all. We could lose the rest of the games for the rest of the season, and we're still a playoff team. We would not be forced to the Metro by far, but we would still be a playoff team. So here's the thing. What should we expect? What are we looking for? What do we want to develop as time goes on? But before we go there, I just want to point out a couple things that Don Waddell said in his press conference right after the trade deadline. So this was all said 30 minutes after 3 o'clock on Friday. And the first snippet I want to share acknowledges disappointment, 
and acknowledges that Don Waddell can't do everything he wants in the trade market. It seems like that sometimes when you get Brent Burns for practically nothing, when you get patches for literally nothing, when you absolutely rob Florida to get Vincent Trocek. It seems like he can do whatever he wants. But there were two players this year that we know Tom Dundon, Don Waddell, Rod Brennamore wanted. They tried to get, and it just didn't happen, in Timo Meyer and Bor Horvat. And Dundon addressed that, and I quite enjoyed what he had to say. You never know what the other team is, uh, what you're bidding against, so you got to only put your best foot forward, and which we did. And, you know, uh, once you do that, you, you know, you can't do anything more. So, you know, it's always disappointing when you go after a player, but it's also a reality that, you know, you're not going to get everybody you want. I want to talk about the specific acquisitions that Waddell was able to pull off because you've now seen that Gaston Bear is useful. And there was one direct need that Waddell saw that he could fix. And through two games, importantly, through two games, things can still change. Our power plays have been amazing since Ghost joined the lineup. We have the 23rd best power play in the league, or, or eighth worst, however you want to look at it. Uh, we really needed to address that. And with Ghost, I think we did. You know, he's a power play guy. Uh, you know, for some reason, uh, you know, Burnsy does a good job on one, and we just felt we needed a quarterback for the other power play. So, you know, we went into the trade deadline uh, saying we need to address our, our, our power play, which I feel like we did. And then we go to Pugliarvi, who everyone was like, he's washed. He's washed. Why would we? He's washed. Uh, guys, he's washed. Which, n- no. I think it's insane that anyone in this fandom can see what has happened with Kak and Yimmy, who was, you know, washed. In Montreal, we offer-sheeted him. Everyone's like, oh my god, you just offer-sheeted a washed player. Why would you do this? It's never going to work out. And I'll tell you what. It's working out pretty well right now. And for Pugliarvi, Don Waddell, Rod Brindamore are hoping to do the same thing. They've done it before. Chatfield was picked up off the trash heap. Dougie Hamilton wasn't quite on the trash heap, but he was being written off. Tony D'Angelo, controversial, whatever. You can say what you want. But they got the most out of that player, and they're going to try to do that again with Pugliarvi. And it has the added benefit of he's also Finnish, because for some reason, uh, this is a real stat, the Carolina Hurricanes control 10% of the Finnish players in the league. Don't know why. It just kind of happened, but that's a true, that's a true story. But this is what Don Riddell had to say about Pugliarvi. Obviously, he played with uh, Sebastian in the World Junior Tournament, and uh, there's good uh, knowledge of each other there, and obviously uh, talked to Sebastian about him. Uh, he's a big guy. You know, we wanted to get a little bigger on the wall, a big guy that skates really well. Um, he's a guy that we've kind of talked about for about a year or so, and I started talking to Kenny Holland three weeks ago about him being available, and Kenny wasn't going to trade him. He told me the only way if he got into a cap situation because he wanted to add a defenseman, which he, he did after the fact. Um, so we were on that one early on and thought that he would be a guy that would be, he was attractive to us and be able to fit into how Rod likes to play. And finally, I want to finish trade deadline talks about philosophy. What is the philosophy of the Carolina Hurricanes and Tom Dundon, Don Waddell? What are we going to spend here? What are we going to do here? That's the important part that everyone seemed to be missing 
and Dundon spoke on it. The thing you most often hear, Ellie Friedman, Greg Rosinski, whoever you want, is going to say that North Carolina does not do rentals. We just, in the Hurricanes organization, refuse to do it. Which is mainly true. Don Waddell confesses to that. But that's not the only thing they're looking for. That's not how they do business exclusively. You know, I've always said you try to build your team as best you can in the summer. Every organization's got different philosophies and different reasons for doing things. Uh, but our philosophy is that, you know, we, we're not going to pay a ransom price for a short-term, you know, uh, result that may not be there for you. You know, there's a lot of good teams that aren't going to win around this year. And that's just the way playoff hockey goes. You pay attention to what's going on, but you don't react to what's going on. You know, you, you go in with what you feel is your strategy, your needs, uh, and, and you stick to it. Don't, don't get caught up what other teams are doing, you know, because, uh, it doesn't work that way. If you look back at the history of the trade deadline of how many guys have been traded and how many teams win the cup every year, every year there's 30 guys traded or so. And if I still remember right, only one team's going to win the cup. Now we're going to pivot. To, okay, there's less than 20 games left in the season. We're going to go into the Stanley Cup playoffs. What still needs to be addressed? What still needs to be worked on within the organization to give them the best possible chance to bring home the holy grail of hockey, Lord Stanley's Cup? And one of them is simple. We already alluded to it. Don Riddell has acknowledged it. It's the power play. Our power play, uh, uh, yeah, the numbers supported it being better last year, but... Honestly, it still looked bad, and it's obviously been bad all year. We talked about our needs going into the deadline, and the one thing that we talked about was power play, which uh, hopefully we've addressed it and getting some depth. So, you know, to, to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade, that's not what we do here. We also are, are you know, pretty well known that we're not going to spend a big price on rental players, and, you know, that philosophy is throughout the organization. You know, my coach really likes the players we had. We weren't going to take players off our team uh, to try to uh, make changes. And, you know, this is where we are as of uh, the trade deadline. Then we have goaltending. And it's nothing against Auntie Ranta. In fact, if anything, Auntie Ranta has shown this year how much he's been underestimated. If anything, he's shown that he is able to walk through his little nicks and bruises to try to get the win. Historic point streak, by the way, but it's not the point. I want to focus on Frederick Anderson. And listen, all goalies are streaky. It's part of playing the position, but this season for Frederick Anderson hasn't been it. Especially after last year, when he was a Vesna contending goaltender until he got injured, which he seems to do kind of a lot. And I don't know if it's a style of play. I'm not gonna speculate on any of that, but it's more than obvious that he's not the same goaltender this year that he was last year. So what are we going to do about that in the postseason? I've seen a lot of people just say, well, we're just going to sit here and pray that everything works out, right? And of course not. You're being <laughs> hypercritical. I wonder where I'm getting that from. But at the end of the day, they're going to have three goalies in the offseason. Oh, well, not the offseason, but the postseason. Auntie Ranta will be there as a solid backup if needed, if not 1B, depending on how the situation goes. 
The hope here is that Frederick Anderson will be able to get back up to speed with his 10 games remaining to play, and we'll see what happens. Don Riddell actually came out and was like, yeah, none of the goalies are going to play games back-to-back. And I don't mean like, you know, if there's a game on Friday, a game on Saturday, one goalie won't play both. Of course not. They haven't done that all year. They only do that in extreme circumstances. He said that if Frederick Anderson plays on Thursday, Antti Ranta will play on Saturday. And if for some reason Freddie Anderson isn't able to play that following Monday game or whatever it ends up being, they'll call up Kochekov, which is load management. That means they know that in no way do they want to risk Frederick Anderson or Antti Ranta getting hurt. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Frederick Anderson getting injured last year is exactly why. Well, it's not exactly why, but it's one of a couple of reasons why we lost to the Rangers. A healthy Frederick Anderson gets us at least to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And it just wasn't in the cards because of injuries. So now, load management kicks in. And I already said his name. Kochekov will be back in Raleigh. There was a slight chance that the Chicago Wolves will make the postseason. Wait a couple of minutes. There's a whole segment with Andrew Rinaldi on the Wolves maybe making a push. But Kochekov will be in Raleigh either way because, to be quite honest, the, winning the Calder Cup is like cool for the organization, whatever. I don't care. I don't care at all. I care about one trophy and one trophy only. Can you guess? Lord Stanley's Cup. Is this too close? I don't care. That's all I care about. Got a little crazy with that one. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But I want to finish today's episode with an overlook of the Chicago Wolves and what they still have left to do in their season. But before we get there, before I talk to Andrew Wilnaldi, who is... Fantastic. He does a lot of great things for Field Pass Hockey. He's definitely worth the follow. Linked down below. I want to talk about Kochekov's exciting, extraordinary, insane weekend playing against the Minnesota Moose. There was the goalie goal. Here's Kochekov behind the net for the empty net. He sails it down a bouncing puck. He scores! <laughs> Look at the celebration! <laughs> Piotr Kochekov, the exclusive goalie <laughs> club with a goal. <laughs> there was the scrum that was created from his excessive celebration, some might say, about his goal. He's going after Kochekov. Yeah. Fitzgerald. I knew Get in there. they wouldn't like that celebration. No, for sure not. Yep. And Olenis all over Kochekov. And Mendel is preventing Olney from getting at Kocheko. Now Holm has come halfway out of his net. Jimmy Olney not letting go. I guarantee it, Kocheko will take off his equipment and fight him straight yeah, on. Yeah. I think uh, Holm should stay in his own net too, just in case. If he yeah. wants to come down and, and bark, it uh, would be interesting. There's yeah. not too many throwback players, but in your area, you yeah. would never celebrate a goal like that. No. And they're going to send Kochekov to the locker room. And then the next night, against the very same team, there was almost a goalie fight. But American Hockey League officials had to be Nords. Andrew and I talk about it a little bit. And first, I don't think the goalie goal thing was excessive, but I'm also from a different generation. I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that. So what's a lifetime thing? Let him do what he's going to do. But listen, Kochekov is electrifying. This kid, because he's still stupid young, this kid 
is going to bring more fans to hockey than have been brought to hockey in a very long time. He will be Cam Ward 2.0 because he's even more entertaining. So a lot of people of my generation fell in love with hockey because of people like Eric Stahl and Cam Ward. That's how we got introduced to the Hurricanes. That's how we became these great fans that we are today. And Andrei Svechnikov, Martin Natchez, Kochekov, Seth Jarvis, Sebastian Ajo, are all creating diehard fans every day. And it's only going to get more exciting as they spend more time in the league. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Andrew. Again, follow him down below. Great coverage for field pass hockey of the Chicago Wolves. Last year, Chicago Wolves, incredible season. Like, no one can complain about it. The regular season, spectacular. Go on to win the Calder Cup. And then this season starts, and just, it's a skeleton of its former self. And mainly just the players, the talent has left the team, which is expected after winning the Calder Cup. I don't know enough to say this, but was it expected to be an off year for the club prior to the season? Or was, as it developed, it people started realizing, yeah, this isn't going to be the same. Yeah, if you were expecting the success of last year for this year as well, um, nah, it's it's quite a different team. I don't think that they were expecting to kind of come out so flat out of the gate. But, you know, in a mix of obviously the roster turnover, but a, you have a brand new coach coming up from the USHL and – and just the impact, they, they didn't really have a healthy lineup until January, I'd say. Uh, that that really dragged them down, and it really dragged the record down into the basement. Um, I, I You know, I think that obviously a, a couple steps back were expected. Um, maybe not quite to that extent, but I mean, of the last couple of months, they've been playing uh, a lot more structured hockey, and I think that's kind of more of the expectation for this team was, was you know, just kind of, Hey, let's get this these guys back in the playoffs and see what happens. And hopefully, those first couple months that they stumbled out of the gate don't come back to haunt them. But um, I mean, over these last, like I said, probably at least definitely since the All Star break, they've been playing the brand of hockey that you've come to expect from from the Chicago Wolves. And I think that like is kind of more of what we expected. You know, competitive, um, young going to make some mistakes, but I mean, in it every single night and, you know, whether uh, you want to call them probably not Calder Cup contenders, but you know, it's, you're comparing it to last year's team. That was, uh, that was, that was a special roster there. And there was no, nothing, all the cards could have fallen right. And they probably still wouldn't be, uh, be, be putting up those numbers. So. A lot of what set them back, at least from what I've seen from my space in Raleigh, was that at the beginning of the season, they didn't have their star goalie in Kochekov. Well, they did, but he left soon after. They didn't have Jack Drury, and Suzuki was injured until, what, January is when he made his debut? So not only did they lose a ton of guys, but many of their staples also just weren't with the organization. Well, weren't with the team, rather they were with the big club or just injured on the sideline. Yeah, I think the the big thing was that a lot of their their veterans, their um, you know, your Ryan Dezingle, he's he's been out since the first month of the season, probably not looking to return. 
Um, Mackenzie McCochran just came back, and his return's been just incredibly impactful for this team. Kevin Fitzgerald is another guy, steady veteran presence on that blue line, who was out for months to start off. So what you end up doing is you're throwing guys like Anthony Honka straight up to the Wolves to use a bad pun. Um, or, you know, Alexander Passion kind of getting thrown in there and like, okay, let's see what we got in this kind Tuka Tiaxala and Noel Gundler and a lot of guys who might not quite be ready for like top roles are suddenly thrust in that position because these, these veteran presences that you're supposed to have in your lineup, they're, they're, they're not there. They're either injured out of the lineup or like you got a guy like Jack Drury who does everything who's up in Raleigh for a long stretch of time. And you know, that's it. Those are guys that you rely on to come in and, and show these youngsters just how to play that pro game. And which is really what you're doing down here in the AHL. So it, it was it was a big loss, and, I mean, it reflected in the standings. This team really struggled out of the gate. But once you started to not just see the Wolves get healthy, but to see Carolina get healthy on top of it, so that way you start seeing Drury and Kochekov back, and it's been a night and day difference for this squad. For people who don't know, and this is absolutely no disrespect to the players who played the majority of this time and tried their best, but the team was legitimately the worst team in the American League for a hot minute there. And as of recently, we mentioned it earlier, since January, they've actually started to put together a season. And I don't want to put it out there yet, but there is not a 0% chance that they could even sneak their way into the Calder Cup playoffs. Is that an actual realistic goal, or is that just, you know, fans being fans and hoping for the best? Well, there are six, as of tonight on March 6th, they are six points out of a playoff spot with two games in hand on the Iowa Wild that they're currently chasing. Now, before the Wild went into Grand Rapids, which is another team that I cover who's also in that basement in the Central Division, they had won one of their last 10 games. Now, they go in, sweep the Griffins, kind of put a little bit of distance between themselves and the Wolves, but, I mean, if you get a couple of wins and those games in hand, suddenly you're two points back and... 18 games left a bit over a month down the stretch anything's possible and when you know I'm not gonna gonna call it one way or the other because I have a bad habit of jinxing teams but I you know when you got a guy like Pyotr Kochekov and that who's been playing as well as he has I mean dating back to last year we've already seen what this kid's capable of at the AHL and NHL level so when you got him backstopping your team down the stretch, it's it's hard to bet against him. I'm I, I mean, there's there's a lot of hockey to play, and those are some good teams ahead of him. So I won't call it one way or the other, but it's certainly not over by any stretch of the imagination. This team has certainly played their way back into the conversation to make that postseason, and they're they're honestly they're kind of blessed because the AHL has expanded to include just about every team in the postseason, but. You know, these games are just going to get bigger and bigger as the as the year goes on. And we found out that guys like Jack Drury, Jamison Reese, Max Lajoie, and of course, Kochekov, they know, I mean, they were here last year. They know how to elevate when those games do have more meaning and more weight behind them. So we know, in Raleigh at least, uh, we know about players like Kochekov, obviously. We obviously know about Drury, he's been a ton of time up here. We even know a lot about Max Lajoie. Oh, yes, Lajoie, I said it right. Sorry. Um, uh, it's it's uh, La Joie. I knew it. I knew I was. <laughs> Don't doubt yourself. Um, it's 
listen, hockey names are just hockey names. It is what it is. You're going to get one wrong every <laughs> once in a while. But we obviously know all these guys because we've seen them up here. But even like Jameson Reese, we haven't really seen him. Is there anyone mm-hmm. that you could see making that leap next season in uh, Chicago right now? I think Reeser's got a good chance. Uh, lately, he's really turned it on. I've always loved this kid's motor. I love the, the um, his playmaking ability. And you, you, fit, you throw a guy like that in your bottom six, and it changes the entire dynamic of how you play the game. Um, I've really loved Ryan Suzuki since he's he's come back from that injury. I was honestly super worried. I mean, all these uh, these issues he's had, and he's coming off a, a shoulder surgery. You kind of it's it's difficult to come back from, you know. And not only has he survived, but he's thrived and really impressive. Uh, not just offensively, but defensively. I mean, I think that was his his best quality coming out from. Uh, making a season debut and I think he's I think he's got a, as as good of a shot as as Jack Drury does and I they they both kind of play similar games they're both big distributors in an offensive zone but they also are very responsible defensively I think Drury's the better faceoff man Drew, I mean he's he's almost a guarantee in the faceoff dot that's that's going to that might be the difference between a roster spot in October but um Lejoie has been just nothing short of incredible the last month. He was named player of the month of February in the AHL for his offense, which he's he's known to contribute, but he's not known to be a powerhouse. He's more so a defensive specialist, huge guy on the penalty kill, part of the reason why the Wolves have the number one PK unit right now in the AHL. Speaking of bright, bright futures, and this one we know is a lock, uh, Kochekov. It's it's kind of a cheat code for me because all I have to do is just mention his name and, you know, obviously the Canes fans that, that have rightfully fallen in love with this kid come out of the absolute woodwork for him. So when you throw together something like a like a goalie goal on top of it and his, his celebration, I mean, it, he, it's hard to even think that he's barely been here for just over a year. Yeah. And think of what he's done in his short time here. He almost got, you know, his first game in Chicago. He gets run over, gets his lip cut, and he and no one would have blamed him for, you know, taking the rest of the night off. But he gets up and starts jawing at the other team's bench in a language that none of them understand. And and it's just he's got an infectious kind of energy that that swagger really lights up the locker room, and that these guys respond to it. In the third period of that game, they scored three goals in, in order to come back and win that one. And he, all he's done is kind of light that fire in that in that lineup to carry him to a Calder Cup championship. And you've seen what he's done in Carolina. And this is just a handful of games. He's got he just signed a four year extension, and he's got his entire future ahead of him. And this weekend has kind of just been a, a microcosm of what of what he brings in the entire package, not just as from a talent perspective, but from his personality, you know, the big celebration after the goal. And then of course he's Manitoba getting a little, uh, uh, I'll just say upset because I don't know what level I'm allowed to explain the reaction on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Upset at his, you know, a a guy made performing a once in a lifetime uh, deal, you know, and 
And then, you know, the next game, they're going right at him. You can tell just trying to crowd his crease and get in his face. And then once the game is kind of decided, then he kind of, I think he kind of got ahead of what their reaction would be and kind of tripped a guy coming around his net. And then everyone starts coming together. And, and the Manitoba goalie comes at center ice and you see Kochekov throwing his gear down and you're like, oh boy, here we go, like doubling down. Um, unfortunately the officials aren't, uh, the, well, they're the fun police in these day and age and, um, kind of put nicks on that, but it's been incredible. I mean, I, you know, I talked to Piotr back in, back in January and he's just a lightning rod of personality and fun. He's just living in the moment and enjoying himself and playing really good hockey on top of it. So I've spoken before. That pretty much, I mean, this team's playoff hopes hinge on his shoulders, and he's more than capable of of pulling them into the postseason. And once they do get there, I don't think there's a single team in the Central Division that would want to see Chicago in a three or five game series or anything, because this is a kid that I mean, when he's on his game, he's unbeatable, and that's that's a hot goalie in the playoffs. Anything could happen. I think we've all seen it at this point. I think a, a good way to point out how special Kochekov is that this conversation was supposed to be about the Wolves and what Chicago is doing to, you know, put their season back together. And we've spent 10, 12 minutes now just talking about Kochekov. Just, yeah, PK's doing it. <laughs> I also just quickly want to thank you for the, uh, um, he came out when he was in Raleigh and was like, I don't like Kuchi, don't do that. But then no one listened to him. And it wasn't until you had him on film saying, I, well, he didn't say I don't like it, but you know, he then performed that answer. We could read, we could read the body yeah, language. He doesn't yeah. like it. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very thankful you got that one to become part of the popular legend around him. But we'll, we'll circle back to the Wolves here. What, what are we looking for as Hurricanes fans? What should we keep our eye on for as this last month, uh, six weeks-ish runs its course in the American? Yeah, I think... I mean, first and foremost, you can't underscore the the importance of playoffs for these for these young players. Just the getting these guys into in the meaningful games and and to take their game to the next level and to step up in that kind of situation. That's first and foremost. That's you know kind of bottom line expectations. Now that doesn't mean that if the if this team doesn't sneak in, that you call the season a failure by any stretch of the imagination. At the, you're just looking for these guys to grow, to keep developing, keep building their game. And, I, I, you know, I don't think you're going to see, you know, a guy come in that's going to blow the door down in October that you haven't heard of before. I think we all know the Jack Drury's and obviously Piotr. We've talked enough about him. Um, maybe Zook can play himself onto a roster spot, but it's it, – it's, it's, I mean, there's a long time between now and October, so I'm not ready to, again, make any predictions because, again, Jinxer – um, at the, at, you know, it's, it's, whereas last year, you know, you had all these championship aspirations, but it was such a different team. I mean, Don Waddell went out and signed Podorowski and Nason and Levo and Chatfield and brought all these guys in that were such huge difference makers that, you know, it, I won't say it was championship or bust, but like once you had Kochakov coming over, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, this is this is like a run for the cup. Um, and you've seen a lot of lot more NHL teams kind of 
emphasize the importance of getting your minor league clubs into these long postseason runs because that just does so much more for the development of these kids game and that way when they're you know you're going into the playoffs in the nhl you're not shivering in your skates you know you've kind of been in a not this situation but a similar kind of one you know jack drury knows what it's like because he went into a hostile environment in springfield last summer and they just won three straight in the opposing team's barn to win the cup. So those are the kind of experiences that build successful franchises on down the road. So I would, I would probably not count in a lengthy Calder cup run. I think there's a couple teams in division that just stack up better than them. Even unless, I mean, Kochekov has the ability to play absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And steal a series, but Again, I'm not, you got to get there first, and that's that would be bare line what you what you're rooting for. Get in once you get in, anything's possible. As always, thank you for watching or listening to Home Ice Advantage. If you enjoyed the episode, comment down below. If you're watching on YouTube or tweet at me, I'll most likely respond. Please, for the love of everything, share with your friends. You guys have done incredible work lately, like literally in the past couple of weeks of sharing the show. It has blown up. My analytics are insane. Twitter account has blown up. Analytics are insane. Instagram, Facebook, blown up. Analytics are insane. So all around, thank you. For real. I couldn't do this without supportive fans like yourself and... The rumor on the street is I could get credentialed next year, which would make all of my coverage so much better, and I would owe it all to supporters and loyal Caniacs like yourself. So please share, and until next time, go Kane.